The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. I'm the lead film and draft analyst for Arrowhead Pride. This is the AP Laboratory, and we are officially in April it is draft month. We could not be more excited. I'm joined, as always, by Craig Stout, by Matt Lane. Find him on Twitter at BarleyHop. Find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. Maddie, how are we doing on this Tuesday night, my man? Hey, I'm doing good. We got the reports for the draft guide finished up. We got a few more little loose ends that we're tying up, but all of a sudden I have this free time. So I just get to watch fun players that I haven't got to watch much of yet. I actually get to get back into a gymnasium, which is fantastic. Something that has not happened for the last month is Kent is driving this slave ship with the whip and everything. <laughs> got to turn these brick cubes uphill. It's ridiculous. But besides that, we're doing good. How about you, Craig? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Uh, I don't know what to do with myself. Like, <laughs> I know. I, I'm I'm very lost right now, you guys. My my life has been the draft guide for months now. Uh, last night, I made pasta because I needed something <laughs> to do. So, yeah. No, yeah, you did it. It's great. And I did it. Did I did you, it. Oh. You, you really made pasta? I absolutely did, yes. Did you run out of like I, uh, homegrown plants to grow in your backyard? No, no, they're still going. I, I still got hops growing in my yeah, bag. Hops. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my. I just, this guy, Craig, I don't understand, like, I don't understand you as a person because, like, you're you're an <laughs> engineer. You're an engineer. You're a brewer. You're a defensive analyst. You're tall. He's the Kansas also, version you, of 8 Mile. And, yeah, he's he, he looks like, he looks like B-Rabbit right now. Um from eight I, mile I, I, he I, also I, makes pasta I, i'm just like we you're a man I, of many talents like what don't I what do aren't you some good things at? i don't do everything i uh, i don't know that <laughs> because every time every time we you, know, you you're a mechanic you're able to work on your car like I, it's, I you're just talking about life skills here. These these are things that people I don't know have how all to those do. life skills. Maddie doesn't have all those life skills. There's a disconnect here. Excuse me, Kent. I have all those life skills. It's called Google or the phone. <laughs> <laughs> Craig's a walking Google machine. Then I guess I don't know. But I every you're you're always into something else. Like what's the mo- what's the most recent painting you've done? Was it a broke period type period? Yeah, I, I'm just you're just you're good at everything. No, just you're probably Picasso's an artist blue too. Period. 
See, I, 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 didn't, no. I didn't know what that was. <laughs> Your realism's not on point. No, uh, no not at all. Can you play the like, recorder? Can you? How good are you at hot cross buns on the recorder? I know it was I'm, like forty-three years ago that you learned that in school. But uh, how good are you? No, you forget. I got a kid. I'm I'm awesome at it, man. Oh. I <laughs> I've learned how to play "Mary Had a Little Lamb" on a like three-year-old's piano. So watch Perfect. out, Craig. I'm coming for you. Let, let's start a band. I, I'm not gonna lie, guys. I've been learning "Will You Be There" by Michael Jackson on the harmonica. <laughs> Uh, since Christmas, and I'll just say, I've got like six notes down. It's it's really it's really solid. Com- I'm just coming saying. to a bar near you. The AP Nerd Squad plays one song, <laughs> not well. They play thirty seconds of a song. Hey man, as long as the notes are <laughs> on like, this kid's piano that has like twelve keys, we're good. We're like a hit clip from the two thousands. You know those little things where you just like put it into like a little recorder. And like it's like a thirty second clip of a song. You what, get him at Walmart. Oh, I, Google it. I think it's called a hit clip or a mini clip, but it's basically like thirty seconds of a distorted song that you like. You could hear. You could listen to an NSYNC song. It was terrible. It was the worst invention ever. It was like a a distorted eight track. I love it was how like, Kent's go to is an NSYNC song. Just killing that bye 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 for just his entire childhood. That was that was that was one of the songs I had. I had uh, "It's Gonna Be Me," "It's Gonna Be Me." Uh, we had that. We had uh, Britney Spears' song. Oh, you know we the name, guys, 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 guys. Hang on here. We we finished the draft guide, and this is what we have to talk about. <laughs> this yes. is the podcast now. I guess so. <laughs> we are we are full on in vacation. All right, mode, guys. We will catch you next week. <laughs> we should probably we should probably get this thing going now that we've spent five five minutes just completely embarrassing ourselves and this is all staying in i the am pot, not embarrassed like this is all staying i i am i am a little but you know whatever um couple housekeeping notes here uh apparently five star reviews are a good thing so sb nation's kind of been pushing us Get some five-star reviews in for the show, for the podcast. If you like the Arrowhead Pride podcast channel, we would love five-star reviews wherever you can five-star review us. Um, Another announcement, we're actually going to do three shows next week. So April 8th is the release day of the draft guide. So we're going to do a release day show. Uh, We're going to be talking about the draft guide and all that stuff. Wednesday will be the laboratory as usual. And then Friday will be the AP draft show. Uh, Speaking of the draft guide... You still have time to get a discounted rate on the on the draft guide. If you go to gum.co slash KC draft, promo code countdown, you will get the guide for seven dollars and ninety-nine cents. We don't plan to advertise the a discount code moving forward uh, after the, the show uh, after the guide's released. So you still got about a week to get at a discounted rate of seven ninety-nine. Really appreciate everybody's feedback and everybody's, you know, kind of response to this. I think we're all pretty overwhelmed with with how generous and and how much people have really lashed onto this thing, it's like it meant a lot. It's meant a lot to us. We really appreciate um, everyone that's purchased the guide. We would love for you to see our hard work. Three hundred prospects are graded in this thing and ranked 
225 plus write-ups. We've got really cool features. We've got a mock draft that we've somehow finished <laughs> and we've spent all day finalizing today. All um, day. All day. <laughs> and I was like, here's a, th- uh, here's, a, here's a little inside baseball for you. Like, I thought this was going to take like an hour. I thought we could just like churn and burn through this. And then like Maddie stops us at like pick two and he's like, well, are we sure they're going to go with Nick Bosa? Couldn't we do Quinn and Williams here? And that's when I knew I was like, oh, this is, this is going to take a while. Well, yeah, because you guys decided to have the mock draft full of anomalies. Like we have 18 anomalies rolled into one year of a mock draft. This is your opinion, though. No, I mean, no, like, this is honestly, historically proven that this is very unlikely to happen. Historically, yes, I understand. Maybe there's not that many cornerbacks that you know, are are going to go compared to the norm, but like, I think this year is kind of an anomaly. Like, I think there's some weird there's some weird trends with this class. There's not a great depth at the you know the, the first tier cornerback group. There's a ton of edge prospects. There's a ton of defensive linemen. It's a weird year. And it's going to be really interesting to see what happens for the Chiefs at 29 if they stay at 29, or even if like they're going to be able to trade up at 21. Like I, this is one of the exercises we did today. That's it's very fascinating for us. So um, you'll get to see some of the work and what we wound up with, what we wound up kind of projecting for the first round, who the Chiefs wound up taking. Um, it's not a guy that we've really spent a lot of time talking about, but it was the best player available. There's a little bit of a tease. So. Um, Check out the guide if you have a, if you have a chance. Gum.co slash Casey Draft promo code Countdown seven ninety nine. It's it's one of the last discounts that we're going to be promoting. Okay, guys, we got a lot to talk about today. We're going to start with Emmanuel Ogba. The Chiefs traded for Emmanuel Ogba. They gave up Eric Murray. Uh, they they traded with John Dorsey, their former GM, for a, uh, an edge prospect, an edge player that's going. He's going into his final year of his deal. He's had twelve and a half sacks on his career. All they had to give up for him was Eric Murray, a guy that had a performance escalator that was going to make two million dollars this year. I think this is a great move. I'm I'm ecstatic. I think this, whether or not he really does much. I think the bar is very low for this to be an A-plus move by Brett Feach. I love it. Craig, what do you think about it? I mean, I love it, too. Eric Murray was a backup safety. He was a guy that was not going to play for this roster very much. He probably wasn't going to win a job. He maybe was going to be the next man up. If he was lucky, he might have gotten cut in this uh, in this preseason or in this offseason. I think he was. Yeah. He, I, was, I, he I, was about to make $2 million. He just was a logical cut to move on from as a safety with all the depth that they have there. So, yeah, to get a guy that even if he's just a rotational defensive end, a guy that can just be a vet presence in that room or another body, he just uh, – this is a win for the Chiefs, and they got it cheaper than they were paying Eric Murray. And the Chiefs are saving six hundred thousand dollars. Six hundred thousand dollars. I mean, it's not a it's not a lot, but it's something. So yeah, no, I'm all for it. Maddie, I want to ask you this question: Armani Watts. We get a lot of Armani Watts love. I mean, I've, we get a lot of people in our mentions talking about Armani Watts. There's been some buzz from some media people talking about Armani Watts, pumping him up. Is this a good sign for him? You think? I mean, yeah, it can't hurt for Watts or for Jordan Lucas. These are two guys that are now even more clearly in the rotation, pushed up another spot farther. I think they were already there, but this just eliminates a little bit more competition. The guy that's been around a little bit longer than them. 
So if you're looking here and you're sitting at this, the Chiefs thinned out some depth at safety, but that's fine. And they still have five safeties that they have on the roster, four safeties they have on the roster right now that they're planning on playing. I think that's good for Watts. That means that the Chiefs at least trust him to develop. And same thing for Jordan Lucas. They think the guy's going to be able to get out there and at least provide depth snaps if they need be. Because there was a little bit of comfort level with Eric Murray. Like, you know you could put him out there and he could roughly do his job at an almost average level. So you felt okay with having him on the team, but now you're replacing with guys that have a little bit higher upside that are going to be a little bit cheaper. It's good going forward. It's just a matter of somebody has to step up and actually take that job because they have not done it for years now. Yeah, and it just, yeah, like Matt said, it, it's not a bad thing for Armani Watts. He's going to get a shot at one at the starting job. He's got to beat out Jordan Lucas. And He's got to beat out Dan Sorensen. Yeah. I mean, th- these guys are going to get the opportunity to start next to uh, Honey Badger if they don't make another addition going on throughout this offseason. I mean, remember, they tried to trade for Earl Thomas, too or signed Earl Thomas as well. So I don't know that they're necessarily content with that group of guys or not. We'll see after the draft, but uh, those three guys have every opportunity to win the starting job, and that includes Watts. Uh, Craig, I want to just jump back to you. We You, you just did a, a film review on Emmanuel Ogba, the player. Uh, what did you see? You, you reviewed his film. I think we've all watched a little bit at this point, but what did you see from Emmanuel Ogba that that kind of stood out to you when you when you sit down to write that piece. Well, he he's a really short, fast. No, I'm kidding. This is Steve Spagnuolo. He's long. He's <laughs> <laughs> he's a little bit rigid. Uh, he's a guy that can play a little bit inside, a little bit outside. Executes stunts well. Strong guy. I mean, good play ID. A lot of the same things that we said about Alex Okafor really kind of work for Emmanuel Ogba as well. He's a guy that I've had my eye on for a little while as a guy that wasn't necessarily a big fit in Cleveland. They always seem to be moving on from him, and I always thought that he's a guy that, given the opportunity to be a rotational player, he could offer something to a team, especially a team that's going to play from, uh, you know, play with a lead a lot more often, get a chance to tee off a little more. I I like Ogba a lot, and I think that he's going to just fit really well in that rotation of guys that all are kind of the same long, strong guys that aren't necessarily very flexible. Yeah, I kind of came from the opposite end of the spectrum as Craig is Ogba was a guy that I really didn't like that much coming out of college. He wasn't rated very highly for me. At the time, I think I was still much bigger on faster guys, guys that had better get-off, guys that could bend a little bit more. And even more so, I think my big thing for Ogba was I just think his hands are a tick late if he's not directly attacking the chest of a blocker. And he's improved on that a little bit in the NFL. But when you watch him, like he still attacks a blocker's chest, and that's how he wins. And that seems to be kind of the path that the Chiefs are looking for a defensive end, which isn't a problem. But it's just something that a couple years ago wasn't super big on my radar in terms of a guy that I really liked. It's grown on me a little bit more just the NFL, how it's become a quicker passing game. It doesn't matter how fast you're off the edge. The fastest sacks can literally just not happen as quick as a quick out or a slant can be thrown. So the fact that D4 can get to the quarterback, you know, almost twice as fast as Agba doesn't matter if the ball's already out. It's just trying to find that balance of being able to play the rod, being a little bit more versatile, being able to play with that length. And that's what the Chiefs are going for. So his play style has grown on me over the years. There's a few things I still wish he'd do. Like early in his rookie year, he has a couple plays where he really does look a little bit more explosive, kind of attacking the outside shoulder of a tackle, 
trying to beat them rather than engage them. If he gets back to that, I feel really good. As of right now, I think he's a depth player. I would put Okafor and even Speaks comfortably ahead of him on the depth chart for the time being. But if he gets some of that explosion back that he seemed to have before that Liz Frog fracture, I think he could push them for a starting a little bit more starting reps as the gear went on. Yeah, I, I agree with all of you. I Maddie, I'm kind of with you. Like I've really had to kind of just come to grips with linear pass rushers. <laughs> like I, that's something that's really it's kind of been a challenge for me at times, honestly, just because like I'm a guy that really likes flexibility. Um, I think density, I think power has a lot of value. Don't get me wrong. It's just like, I don't know. For some reason, that's been something I've had to fight. But like with Steve Spagnuolo, you have to just accept that he's going to get linear pass rushers with not a ton of flexibility. One thing that when I was doing some research for the feature I'm writing in the draft guide was a quote from Brett Veach last year where he said he thinks pass rush starts with power players not speed players, not flexibility. Um, so I, when it comes to you know Brett Veach and when it comes to Steve Spagnuolo, this kind of seems like a match made in heaven in a lot of ways because they both got... They, it seems like they both value power players. Yeah, and that's something that's come up, I think, more recently in the last year, two years in the NFL is you've seen guys, guys that talk about the draft that have just left the league or stuff like that. There's people around the league that think that power rushers are where you start. Guys that are technical and powerful are better than guys that are speed rushers anymore. And like that's kind of what I was talking about with Ogba's. The linear pass rushers are fine with me if you know how to do it. I think Ogba's still working on how not to attack through a tackle, but how to attack around them, even though it's still going to be in a straight line, if that makes any sense. You watch somebody like Trey Flowers. He does a good job working at half of an offensive tackle's body and only letting them use one hand against him. Agba still attacks a tackle straight on too often. I think that's a little bit of the difference in what you got to get cleaned up. But he's going to the right coach to figure that out in Brendan Daly. That's a guy that's going to help him figure out how to kind of harness the technique and the power. Because Agba is strong, man. This guy moves <laughs> offensive linemen. Like, I mean, no one's business for a defensive end. If you get him to focus that power into a shoulder instead of a chest, we're going to be set. Yeah, attacking the chest. He was crushing the pocket against tackles. I mean, he was driving guys back in there. So, yeah, like Matt says, if you if you can focus it differently, you get a really good player out of him. And again, it's not like Cleveland wasn't going to use him. They were probably going to use him as a rotational defensive end, but in front of him was, you know, Miles Garrett and Olivier Vernon. He was not going to have the opportunity to really get a ton of reps in that rotation. I think it just made a lot of sense for both sides. Yeah, I think it makes perfect sense. And that's why I'm very, very excited about being able to identify a guy that fits what Steve Spagnuolo likes by giving up a guy that they were not going to keep, most likely, and mm -hmm. saving $600,000 in the process. Like that, I think that's just a killer move. Great job by Brett Veach. Speaking of Brett Veach, we're going to answer this question. We're going to ask this question right now. Uh, from the mailbag at Laidback35 asks, "How does Emmanuel Ogba uh, trade? Uh, how's the Emmanuel Ogba trade change Veach's approach to the draft, particularly pick twenty nine and trade up?" I'll give my opinion. Right or wrong, I think it might affect them a little bit. I think that this might make them a little bit less likely to be aggressive moving up. Whether or not that's the right thing. I think that this very likely puts them in a position where they don't feel a necessity to, to be mortgaging significant assets for 
you know, a guy like Colin Farrell if he falls into striking distance potentially. So I do think this just at least tweaks their aggressiveness, maybe at least for the edge position. And I don't know if there's a cornerback that's going to be worth being aggressive for either. Yeah, and I I agree with that. I, I put that kind of as the, the tag towards the end of my article there. Before, if all of the edge rushers went off the board by pick 12 and Farrell was the only guy there, with the current roster, Brett Veach needed to move up. And that might have cost him a couple seconds. That might have cost him, you know, a third and a second, something like that. But he would have really had to kind of sell the farm to get up there to get that guy. If that happens, that now with with Ogba and Okafor on the roster, I don't think they need to move up. They don't need to make that move. Now let's say that Cleveland Farrell falls to 21, they should absolutely still go ahead and try and trade up, get a good player on the edge, or if Ed Oliver falls or, you know, there's any number of guys, still good players that they could add, and that doesn't prevent them from taking that position still, but I think it makes the urgency less likely. Yeah, absolutely. And it's the age-old adage, you don't let average players stop you from taking good players. If Farrell, if a Brian Burns, whatever edge player you want to put there at the end falls to that 20 range, you most definitely get on the phone still and make these calls. Because one, Agba is in fact an average rotational level player that's only under contract for one year and pretty cheap. You put another guy ahead of him on the depth chart, it's not a big deal. We don't know what's going on with K-Pass still. He was a healthy scratch last year. Speaks is still figuring it out. And Alex Okafor is a very solid, probably starting level player, but he's not a star. He's not a guy that's going to change the way the game's going to play out. If you get a chance to get a guy like that in the early 20s, you still absolutely take it. But what the Chiefs did with this move is they took a need, like a desperate need, completely off the table. The Chiefs don't have to have another defensive end this year. They now have three guys that they feel comfortable, should feel comfortable with playing for the majority of their snaps. And if they need be, they can move some interior guys on the outside a little bit. They can play K-Pass if they want to. They now have the bodies that they didn't have before with this move. And it's just another guy that's capable of eating snaps. Yeah, uh, I I tend to agree with basically everything you guys just said as well. Um, I want to go this. I want to go here. How do we feel about the G, the defensive roster as we sit today? So you've got. I mean, Craig, uh, you 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 go. Like, what what do we have? Like, just listed. I'm sure you probably have it in front of you at this point. Uh, let's see. In front of us now on the defensive line, it would be Breland Spree, yeah, Breland Speaks, Derek Naughty, Breland Spreaks, Breland Spreaks, uh, Derek Naughty, Chris Jones, and Alex Okafor would be your four down linemen. You'd have Damian Wilson as the Sam, Anthony Hitchens as the Mike. Don't listen to what the Chiefs are telling you. And Dorian O'Daniel as <laughs> the Will. And then on the outside, you'd have. Uh, You'd have Kendall Fuller and Bashad Breland when they go nickel. Uh, Charvarius Ward comes in. And then you have uh, Honey Badger, Teron Matthew, and uh, let's call it Jordan Lucas because we can and it's our podcast. So that's your your starting lineup right now. I I feel okay about it. Like, it's, it's fine. Like, I don't love it. And you're relying on a lot of projection from the coaching staff. I they're not done. As a matter of fact, I'm I'm not just with the draft. I think that there's going to be other moves that happen throughout the off season. But 
as it is right now, I think it's a, a below average roster overall that you're requiring the coaching staff to do a lot of development to get it up to average or above average. I'm sorry, Kent, you're getting a mini rant here. We've already gone long, so I'm going to keep it as a mini rant. There has been this major swing in the later parts of free agency here from Chiefs fans that scheme covers up everything. We lose talented pass rushers, and there's so many just people that seem to think that it doesn't matter at all because we now have a better scheme. The talent level of the players still matters at times. There are times when players are going to be asked to win one-on-one. It still matters that you don't have a Justin Houston or a D Ford on the outside. Far more often it's going to matter if you're running a guy through a stunt. Yes, there's going to be schemed pressure help. There's going to be coverage help for different schemes, running different coverages, disguising things better. It's all going to help and get better, but it doesn't just magically disappear. Issues and talent levels still exist for a reason. And so when you're looking at this team... I still think the talent level's okay at best on the defensive side. It looks like a defense that's under a rebuild to me. There's a bunch of guys that are being brought in over the last two years that are creating a culture. So if you accept that the fact that the defense is rebuilding, the defense looks like it's going in the right direction in terms of building a culture, but you still have to be able to acknowledge that the talent level has probably taken a step back in the front seven so far this year, and you're just waiting for them to finish filling it out letting these guys develop before you make that final judgment. You just can't, we can't keep relying on scheme to be a catch-all phrase to fix everything that has changed from last year. So I think the defense is rebuilding. I'm with Craig. I want to let the draft play out. I think they could do good things with this draft and make the defense look a lot better. But right now, it doesn't, it, on paper, the defense does not look any better than it did last year to me. And I don't disagree with any of that. And I would probably argue still that the talent level of the defense is less than what you entered or you, what you finished the season with. Mm-hmm. I I I don't I think that's a completely fair statement. I do kind of have I a couple things. I think Brett Veach has done a really good job of slowly but surely finding players, identifying players and and acquiring players that fit what Steve Spagnuolo wants. And I think he's done a very admirable job continuing to grow and build that inventory of players that actually can work with what Steve Spagnuolo wants to do. Now, they they still have a talent discrepancy. I do think the other the other thing I think about this though is like yes, Maddie, you're absolutely right. Scheme is not scheme is kind of a catch-all excuse. However, I am feeling very good about a, a staff of Steve Spagnolo and Brendan Daly and Matt House. I'm very excited to see what these guys are going to do with them. I think if you if you if you played the season out today, I think they'd be better than 31st. They might be 27th, they might be 26th, <laughs> but I think they'd be better than the 31st best defense in football today. So, marginal improvement they can still continue and they're going to continue to get better and add more talent. They need more talent desperately, but I am a little confident that they're getting closer to that middle of the pack defense that we all desperately crave. So Patrick Mahomes can go win a Super Bowl. That's all I got to say there. Um, at chief boy, RDG asks what position upgrade moves the needle the most as we currently stand. So what position upgrade going forward would still move the needle? 
it to what would basically what position would move the needle the most right now? It's still a you pass. need an injection right now. It's still pass rush to me. I think there is one pass rusher on this team. Chris Jones is the pass rusher. I don't think you have anybody to take heat off of him. I don't care if it comes from next to him with another three tech for passing downs. If it comes from a linebacker that's like a rush Sam that's going to come off the edge and then drop down as a defensive end. I don't care where it comes from. There just needs to be another player that is going to be a focal point of the pass rush to some offenses and not always Chris Jones. Yeah, that's uh, that's what it is. They uh, they don't have a guy other than Chris that is going to just line up across from any random person that's blocking him and win more often than not or even half the time. So they need to add more talent in the front. Pass rusher is the key, followed up very closely behind by cornerback, but that's more looking towards the future and the holes that are coming in 2019, 2020, and beyond. So, Do you know what Scheme can't cover? Chris Jones getting hurt. Oh, man. This, this defense becomes... You shut your mouth. <laughs> there's not very far... There's not far much farther back to go from 31st, but without Chris Jones... It's that's this that's where it's it's terrifying. Well, something not talked and about think, too. Chris Jones plays sixty five percent of the snaps, and I think he should mm-hmm. play that many. That's covered up in years past because you have edge rushers that cover that slack when he's not on there. When you have Xavier Williams and Alan Bailey on the interior rushing the passer, you still had D Ford and Justin Houston bringing pressure from the outside. There's going to be times this year where Chris Jones isn't on the field to rush the passer. Who's picking up that slack as we stand right now for those thirty five percent of the snaps? Spoiler teaser, we addressed defensive line and or interior defensive line in the KC draft guide in our mock. So um, we took a Man, talented... one of our seven picks was a defensive lineman, Kent. Got him. Yep. No, in, I'm early. <laughs> I'll say early. We went early. So um, that's I, I totally agree. Uh, we're going to take a break and we'll be back with a mailbag right after this. And we are back to answer your questions in a mailbag. Uh, we'll start with this. Uh, D Johnson 29 asks, how do you feel uh, about if the Chiefs sent a second round pick for Xavier Rhodes and then used their other second round pick in a first round trade up for Cleland Farrell? It makes watching the draft less exciting, but you hit two positions of need with impact players picking in the teens and then again at 92. What do you think about this, Maddie? I'm super excited. This is my dream draft for the Chiefs, to be honest. I mean, <laughs> if we can sub out Patrick Peterson for Xavier Rhodes, I'm super set. Like, yeah, Ooh. the draft might be a little less exciting, but I'll tell you what, I can just sit here and watch the draft on the TV screen and watch Cleveland Farrell highlights and Patrick Peterson highlights on my computer. And Hey man, I'll be good to go till round five, six easy. Yeah. I, that's a dream right there. You have addressed your cornerback problem. You have addressed your pass rusher problem. All of that is fixed and the Chiefs are an above-average unit. I, I think those are those two moves right there make the Chiefs an above-average unit. That's a team that's going to go places. I mean, a trade-up, a trade for a vet player, that is literally Matt Lane's brand. It is. Am I yeah, right? can, we get, can we sacrifice uh, yeah. some third day three picks for like to the gods to make this happen too? Yes, <laughs> all of the day three picks, and you get 
uh, let's call it an early four, Matty. Oh, man, we're in. I, I'm coming <laughs> in the next year with a much better defense than the rest of y'all. <laughs> Maddie hates volume. Just hates volume with a passion. Uh, at P Flum asks, do you guys anticipate adding any more linebackers via the draft or free agency? Also, why have we done such a poorly job developing inside linebackers with the exception of DJ? I think that they're definitely going to add linebackers in the draft. I don't know about free agency. They might add some depth guys just to kind of round out the bottom of the roster. But they don't have a backup Sam linebacker right now. And uh, the backup Will linebacker is a bit of a question mark as well. So, And definitely the backup Mike linebacker because Reggie Ragland is not a Mike. So I think that they've got some positions that if the value fell to them in day three, they might try and pick up some depth guys to try and develop. And then why we're so bad at developing inside linebackers? Well, we had Gary Gibbs that was doing outside linebackers and inside linebackers at the same time. So he was coaching half of the practice on one position, half on the other. I I just don't think that those guys were really getting the coaching that they needed. And then last year was just all around bad. Yeah, I think this year you're going to see the starters to the team, like the core of your linebacker group is already on the team. They've invested in linebackers. We may not like what Anthony Hitchens shown. We may not want to believe in Dorian O'Daniel, even as much as we want to believe in Armani Watts. That's a weird one to me. We have a lot of faith in Watts, but like none in O'Daniel. It's a strange concept <laughs> to me. But like we don't want to have faith that those two guys are what the Chiefs obviously thought they were when they went ahead and got them last year. But they still spent valuable assets, money, draft pick to get them. Then they went out and signed a you know starting caliber for a part-time player, Sam and Damian Wilson. So they have their starting linebackers. I think you'll get a day three linebacker at some point in time. Probably somebody that's, I'm thinking, leaning towards a Sam. Another Sam to go on there. He's the shortest term contract right now. Probably has the lowest upside. Maybe it is somebody that has a little bit of versatility to play across both ways. I think if you see a day two linebacker, you're going to see a, just a wild card of like a rush Sam on the team. And I don't think it's likely, but if you see a day two linebacker, I think it's going to be a guy that can provide like real positive pass rush and maybe even drop down into a defensive end on pass rushing downs. But again, I wouldn't hold my breath on that one. Yeah. I mean, I honestly, we were talking through this a little bit earlier, like a, a more of a rush Sam, like you're trying to continue to just try to get closer and closer to more disruption, more pass rush production. I mean, you could really very easily talk me into that, Maddie. I mean, you know, like that, that just makes a lot of sense. I do think that they're going to address Sam in the draft at some point. I think that's just, I think that makes too much sense for them. Um, okay. Yeah. Sioni. Ataki Taki. That just for the name, it, it does that'd be art. At Red Cow asks, do you think the Chiefs could try Tano Passigno at Sam linebacker in training camp given his freakish size and athleticism? I do not. Uh I just I I don't think he is natural dropping in coverage. I just it just does not. I, I don't think I don't think it would work. I just don't think it makes any sense at all. He's gonna have to try to play as an end in this system. And if he doesn't He's not going to be a chief. I think I'm the last one here holding out a little bit of hope for Passigno, but it is definitely not at Sam. It's 100% at defensive end. That's where he should have been playing his entire career, and I get it. 
his position for the Chiefs wasn't wildly different than a lot of defensive end stuff, but he was still had to stand up. He still had to see the game with a few different responsibilities before with Bob Sutton. So your hope is that now that he gets to play with his hand in the dirt, playing into a tackle and trying to read the play from there repeatedly, he's going to look a little bit better. But the thing is, the guy was a healthy scratch as a space player to Breland Speaks. Breland Speaks was considered a better space player than Tano Passanio last year, and we know athletically speaking that's not the case. So he either just simply wasn't getting something mentally or the playbook or just like what they were asking of him, which is a complete no-go. So that scares me, but he's got one more year in my book. Yeah, and he's not an especially rangy guy. He's not going to be a coverage guy. He's just he doesn't do the things that he's going to be required to do as a Sam linebacker, nor does he have the processing as an off-ball linebacker type player. He's a defensive end. He should play a defensive end in this scheme. Uh, our guy, Matt Stagner, jumping into the questions. I'm hearing a lot of people talking about the weaknesses of the cornerback class as a reason not to take one early. I'd argue that's more of a reason to try and go get your guy early. The class isn't deep enough to wait. I'll hang up and listen. And I think this is kind of a big debate that I think even NFL teams probably struggle with. When the class isn't super strong, do you reach a little bit to make sure that you get one of the top guys, or do you just go ahead and wait until the value aligns with where you're picking? I probably lean a little bit closer to where Stags is here, and that if you find a guy that's available that fits your scheme and that you like better than everybody else, go ahead and reach a little bit to take him if he is what you want and what you're looking for. The issue for me with this particular draft class is we have all these corners bunched up in the same area, which is kind of like that mid to late second round spot. So I'm not sure I want to reach for one at the end of the first if I think there's going to be a player just as good that can play in a similar scheme available at the end of the second round. Now, if they have a big discrepancy between the two, by all means, take the guy that you like better in the first round. But if it's as close as we have it, just wait until the end of the second round, get the guy that's maybe one point lower, but much better value in the 60s. Yeah. I, I'm along that same line of thinking, being the guy that had to watch most of this trash <laughs> pile of cornerbacks. I I don't think that cornerback three to about cornerback seven or eight, I don't think that there's a vast difference between those guys. I think it, it's a scheme situation. You're going out and you're trying to get a guy that fits your scheme. Now, if they don't believe that, let's say, Amani Arawarie is going to be around when they want him to be and that he is the final key piece. Yeah, go ahead and take that guy. But if they have those guys bunched up, like Matt said, don't reach in that situation. There are plenty of good defensive linemen. There are good defensive players that you can get at 29. I think that if you miss on a couple of those corners and you have to settle for a guy like Trayvon Mullen or even DeAndre Baker, a guy that we're not very high on there at the end of round two, I think that that makes a lot more sense from the team as a whole than trying to go ahead and, you know, reach for a guy. Well, this has been a big debate for us, even talking through a lot of our exercises where we're trying to place people like when we were doing our mock draft exercise, like we couldn't find a ton of logical places that made sense for the corners. And, you know, we only have, spoiler, like as of right now, we're still working through this project, but right now we, we only have two cornerbacks in the first round in our mock. And, you know, that's that's below typical, you know, drafts. So 
it's a really fascinating thing. Like, like there's, there's a lot of guys that like some guys will make more sense in some schemes than others. And it's kind of a preference thing in that bunch. So is some team just aggressive about going and getting a guy that makes sense for them? Like that's how more corners are going to get involved in the, in the, in the first round. And uh, it's, it's, it's a huge question for this draft, especially where the chiefs are selecting. Honestly, I think that a lot of things kind of depend on, what cornerbacks go and where and when and how early the run starts. The first cornerback, I think Maddie mentioned it today, is like if the first cornerback's off the board at like let's say 14, that changes everything. Um so it it's it, it's gonna it's really honestly probably one of the most fascinating things about draft weekend. Uh at Scott Franklin asks which pick would you be uh which would upset you the most? Uh Jeffrey Simmons with no immediate impact, Garrett Bradbury, low impact position, Jalen Ferguson, the three cones, like turd Ferguson. Here's the funny thing. That was a nickname that was thrown around in our DMS today for Jalen <laughs> Ferguson. Um, I'll just, I'm going to go on the record and say Jeffrey Simmons would not upset me at all. Even if they don't get a ton of impact in year one, it is Jalen Ferguson in a runaway. Like we're doing the Jalen Ferguson pick is doing laps around the, uh, the other ones. <laughs> as far as what would upset me the most, we've got some plans that might involve some live coverage. Hint, hint, wink, wink, nod, nod for uh, the draft day one. And if Jalen Ferguson is the pick at 29, I am going to lose my mind. My blood is boiling. Just thinking about it. You think I'm going on a rant right now? Jalen Ferguson hasn't finished one three-cone drill yet in the <laughs> amount of time it's taken me to go on this rant. Jalen Ferguson would be a colossal mistake. I would be furious. Patrick Mahomes may not be enough to mask my frustration with this team, and I might go start writing for Mile High Report. Oh, no. Maddie. No. Wait, does that no, mean your job's open? No. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> so I think this is like the equivalent of that uh, thing that uh, the tweet that Kent sent out earlier about like it was asking about a Whopper and a Big Mac and some other garbage fast food <laughs> burger and then a Five Guys burger. Like which one has to go? Like as if Five Guys would even had a chance to get voted on. This is kind of the reverse. Jalen Ferguson's the only obvious answer here. Like he's clearly the worst player of the three. He doesn't belong in the first round, no matter how you want to slice it. So, like, I feel like day that's two doesn't belong in day him. two. He's around four. Uh, we me. disagree there. We disagree there. So Shh, we're just going to move on from that for the time's sake here, Kent. We will we'll approach that another day. But I'm I've, not going to take I got the some easy way stats. Out. Time out. When Jalen Ferguson gets picked by the Chiefs, I've got a great tweet just riled up. I can't wait. Just all right. Please continue, Matthew. I'm assuming it's going to do with his time and not his actual film on the field. I know. Yes. I know Correct. where your mind's going here, but I just want to say Garrett Bradbury would upset me a lot too, because I do not believe no matter what that you draft interior offensive line in the first round. I think obviously Quentin Nelson, the best interior offensive line we've seen in a long time worked for the Colts last year. It was a good pick. I do not believe they wouldn't have been better taking Derwin James and then taking any round two interior offensive lineman or letting Braden Smith play guard and drafting a tackle in the draft instead, I just think a safety like Derwin James would have impacted the game even more than Quentin Nelson did. So no interior offensive line in the first round for me. Yeah, it's Jalen Ferguson. And Jalen Ferguson would be a failure on the level of the financiers for the AAF. Oh, or too soon. A failure on the level 
of the <laughs> people that designed the draft hats for all of the NFL oh, teams this year. Or a 2018 <laughs> team trading up in the second round to draft Breland Speaks? No, oh. no, no. It's not that bad of a failure. <laughs> Man, I feel bad not having a joke. Those were fantastic. Those were good. Those that, were was, good that was a lead. So here it is. Kent is offering to leave Arrowhead Pride, and you're coming in with the jokes. Like, <laughs> I think that we got something happening here. How do we really feel about Jalen Ferguson except for Maddie, who's wrong? <laughs> okay. Uh, at Nate CH asks, would you rather draft a wide receiver three or a tight end two with one of those second round picks? It's wide receiver three. It's not particularly close. This is a great tight end class. I still think they need to add one, but the Chiefs love using 11 personnel. They use it well over 75% of the time like the rest of the league does. So the third wide receiver on the field makes way more sense than trying to go to a 12 personnel heavy setup. I agree with Craig, and also adding on to that, Travis Kelsey plays in the slot or split out wide more than he plays in line. He's more effective from there when he's not having to run through the trash. If you're drafting a tight end two, it has to be somebody that you're willing to slap there in the middle of the field and deal with all these extra big bodies. If I'm doing that, that's fine. It's just not going to be a second-round pick when I'm looking for a blocker or a 5- to 10-yard curl route in the middle of the field kind of tight end. That's not what I'm spending a second-round pick on. Yeah, I tend to agree. Um, I mean, yeah, there, there's not much to add to that. At Fetus413 asks, before the draft, how much better or worse is this team? As of right now, at this very moment, I think the team, if we're, I mean, obviously you have to include coaching, what we think the scheme change is going to come. I think the team is about the same as where it was last year. I think defensively is where we're going to see the most changes. It's going to be more consistent across the board. You won't have as low of lows, but I don't think you're going to have as high of highs with losing with the talent level dipping like it did. So you're, just going, to get more cons- you're going to get more <laughs> consistent performances. You're going to get less dominant outings by the pass rush, specifically Kent, of the Chiefs as we stand right now. Yeah, no, I, I think they're worse. Uh, coaching staff does matter, but talent-wise – they're worse, uh, but they still have Patrick Mahomes, so it doesn't really matter. You're too Pat. I mean, come on. Here's here's one question I do have for both of you guys. I just want to have you answer this real quick. If this defense is currently constructed, had three chances to get off the field on third and ten, would they do it? With the current coaching staff? Yes. Okay, so I think out of... <laughs> Out of out of these three times, yes, I think they out coach the offense at least one time and get okay. off the field. Might now the caveat, like I said, it's more consistent, but I think there's going to be less highs and highs or less less high highs. So at other point in times, that will show up where they won't have plays. They might not be in third and ten three times. It might be a third and three, and a third and six, and a third and ten, which makes yeah. it different. I I think they'll be more fun to watch. How about that? I, I think they'll be more aggressive. It'll be less bend but don't break. Like more you break. had to chart bad stuff or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah or something like that. Yeah, it, it would be more interesting to watch at the very least. I'm very fascinated. Like I'm, I'm actually kind of energized to watch this whole thing unfold, and I'm actually kind of energized to watch Craig watch this whole thing unfold. Um, I think that's part of it too. Is like, I mean, this is this is good. Fu- it's gonna be. It's a fun frontier watching them try to figure this thing out with 
I mean, frankly, it's it's probably going to be less talent. Oh, are we getting a Frontier sponsorship for the podcast? And this podcast is brought <laughs> to you by Frontier Airlines. Only Maddie uses it. <laughs> and Maddie 100% does not fit in the airplane seats, but it cost me $40 round trip to go wherever I want to go. Wow, that was was that your was that your commercial voice? Yeah, at the I'm end. I'm telling you, we are pushing you out, Kent. Oh, wow. Uh, what am I good for? I mean, I get the Chiefs oh, really I mean, aren't drafting Jalen oh, Ferguson, been, aren't they? We've been waiting for this for a long time. <laughs> Let me pull up the doc. Yeah. <laughs> All right, hair, one more qu- hair, one more hair. 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 <laughs> yeah, I know what I'm. I know what I'm good for. I'm just Bad gonna food keep takes. puns. Beautiful hair. Great food takes. Mm. And talking about the easiest position to talk about on the team. Simu <laughs> Seven asks, "Does the Eric Murray trade scream to you also that Veach is going to get a safety early?" I mean, I I don't think that they're going to go safety on round one. I mean, they could. I mean, I, I think they could go a lot of ways in round one at this point. Um, I could see them taking a safety in the first top one in the top 100 picks, but I think that was the case without Eric Murray being here. I don't think Eric Murray particularly really makes a dent in their process with the safety position. Again, I think Eric Murray was not going to be a kid. He was going to be a Cleveland Brown one way or the other, and the Chiefs got something for him. Yeah. Totally agree. They have four safeties on the roster right now. I don't know that they're going to want to carry much more than that. If they draft a guy, they're moving on from Dan Sorensen. Uh, he's really the only candidate to be cut now because Jordan Lucas is an RFA tender. So, yeah, I, I don't think that that matters at all. Yep, similar to like we talked about the inside linebackers, uh, you have to look at what the Chiefs have spent on safety. They paid $14 million a year for Honey Badger. They are still paying Sorensen a very hefty contract to be a third type safety, and they haven't cut him yet. So they're, I mean, they're not desperate for money right now, but they still could have used that money for something, and he's still here. Sounds a lot like they still like him in different facets. Jordan Lucas was brought back as a tender. They drafted Armani Watts in the fourth round last year. That's a lot of assets they're putting into the safety position to go out and also draft another player early again this upcoming year. Don't, if there's a player that falls in the second round, third round, by all means, have at it. Like I think at that point in time, it doesn't matter. But I don't think it's a super early target that's high on their board. And Murray definitely doesn't change anything. Again, we were kind of going through some of these scenarios earlier. And you know maybe safety is a place where just good football players wind up falling into that third round range too. So, you know, like that's, you know, just kind of working through a lot of logic and process and stuff. Like we talked about Ronnie Harrison going at 93 last year. You know, that could be maybe there's a good safety that falls into that, you know, the 92 range potentially where they're just like, okay, this guy can come and help us right away. So it's going to be interesting to watch. Uh, we can't wait. We're three weeks away, basically. And uh, if you want to kind of see all of our thoughts on basically every player that's going to be taken in this class, please check out the KC Draft Guide. Go to gum.co slash KC Draft. And uh, thanks for listening to us. We will talk to you guys next week. And for you eight Jalen Ferguson supporters that are still out there, please get in Ken's mentions telling him how good of a player he is despite the fact that he ran a slow three cone on a slippery, wet field. Thank you.